Exodus chapter 4. I've been enjoying uh, coming through the book of Exodus so far. I've been excited about it. And, and uh, when I go home on Sunday afternoon, I'm excited about uh, what am I going to find in the next chapter. And so it's like each week I've got to begin to dig in the next chapter on what am I going to preach. Lord, give me something. And so this week, the thought that I want you to have in your mind, because we've been kind of preaching on Moses, and, and that we've seen that Moses, uh, he was taught uh, faith, and something I wanted to throw in, uh, Jochebed had raised Moses to leave. And one of the keys when you're raising your children is raise your children to leave. And what I mean by that is you must prepare them to do life. And, and I find it so many times today, parents do not prepare their children to do life. Parents, you're not always going to be here. And your children need to know how to do life, how to make it, how to get through it. And so Moses had been prepared. And then he made the choice to serve God. And then last week we seen uh, the call to ministry. Uh, we seen there where Moses began to look for the greatness of God. And then he listened to the word of God when God called to him out of the burning bush. But then we see that he began to learn the holiness of God because God had told him, Get your shoes off your feet, for the ground you're walking on is holy ground. And then in the invitation, I kind of gave you two more things that I want to springboard from this morning before we begin reading that Moses had to learn about the mercies of God. It's right there because in verse 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. And I want you to understand that whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, God sees that affliction. God sees His people. God sees His children. And He sees your affliction. Not only that, He says in verse 7, in the last part of it, I know their sorrows. God knows your sorrows. He knows mine. That's comforting right there, that God knows it. He don't just see it. He knows it. He feels it. After all, if we're part of the body of Christ, He would feel our pain. And then we see that God said, I will send thee. So Moses learned that God was going to send him. But there's one thing we must get before we get to chapter 4, verse 19 of, of chapter 3. I am sure Moses had to learn that the devil or Pharaoh, who's the type of the devil, is going to oppose him. He says, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. You can rest assured in this life, and my new converts, I always tell them, you can mark her down that the devil is going to come after you with the chariots and the armies of hell. Anytime that you get ready to make a decision and you make a decision to serve God, accept God, do what's right, the devil's coming out after you up out of Egypt. And you need to learn that. You need to learn about the mercies of God, but then you need to learn that there is opposition to God and God's children and God's family. Um, years gone by, I've heard preachers say, look, if you're trying to find what the will of the Lord is, if you go in a direction and meet great opposition, maybe that's not it. Look, don't, hey, that might not be good advice. There's always going to be opposition when you're trying to do something for God because the devil 
stands ready to oppose you. <clears throat> I advised a pastor friend this week, look, there's getting ready to be a transition, and I need you to understand there will always be opposition. And so don't look at opposition as in maybe I shouldn't do it. There will be opposition. The devil will oppose you. Anything you try to do, I don't care if it's fighting addiction, trying to live a godly life, trying to have a godly marriage, trying to raise godly children, there will be opposition. The devil don't like it. But now we get to chapter 4 and verse 1. And he says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom and said again, and plucked it out, of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as the other flesh. And shall it come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, then they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto my, thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, pour it upon the dry land, and and the out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. I've, I've got a note there, 1 John 5, 7. There's always people say, <clears throat> what is that testimony of blood and water? There's different thoughts on that, but uh, I got a side note there. Uh, the blood of Jesus represents Christ there. Uh, he says, And Moses said unto the Lord, O, o my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto my, thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. <clears throat> I'm not going to demonstrate that this morning. We could have all sorts of fun with that, but I won't do that. He stuttered. There's a good chance that he stuttered. And, uh, and, and so, uh, but look what God does. He's arguing with the Lord about the call. We're going to talk about that just a little bit. He says, And the Lord said unto them, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or the deaf? Or the seen, or the blind. Yeah, boy, that just jumped out at me. Lord, yeah, there's, there's no accidents with God. <clears throat> I don't care whether you're deaf, dumb, blind, blind, deaf. It doesn't matter. There's no accidents. He said, who's made that? God did. Meaning God's got something for you to do. He says, have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O oh, my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, help us this morning. 
get something from your word. Be encouraged in Christ today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> now this week, tooled for the job. I was sharing a little bit in the Sunday school hour with the teen class, and we're doing membership class too, and it's good for our teens to get in there. We're in week two. We only, there's only four weeks you got to do, and it's more about orientation, so you know what we're about, what's going on, and, and that, you're, that the Holy Spirit can work with you and say, yeah, I, I like this. I can do this. God's speaking to me. I, I want to join. And so it's about orienting you and about getting you to mesh in with the gears that go on about here. It's a good, good thing. But I told them that everybody that is born again has been given a gift by God to serve him with. You've already been tooled for this job. We see here and we, we learn here that Moses was tooled. He already had what he needed to fulfill the ministry God had called him for. Now every job will require certain tools to complete. If you're a mechanic... You're going to need sockets, screwdrivers, pliers, maybe a little toolbox. If you're like my father, all you need is about a 3-8 socket drive, uh, vice grips, uh, needle nose pliers, a hammer, and a couple of wrenches. And I watched him personally as a young man stranded in a desert in Mexico, take an engine out of a school bus from underneath and strip it down put another short block in there, and build it back up, and the thing running, we went on into Guadalajara, Mexico. I, I, I could have every tool in the shop and still not get that accomplished. I'm always needing something that I don't have, and my father's the kind of man, you can turn him loose in the middle of a desert, because I've seen that too. We went to a, a, a ranch one time in Studio Butte, Texas, some of the prettiest country I've ever been in. And we borrowed Jack Grigsby's little Dotson. And we got in the middle of nowhere, and we kept hitting, there's rabbits, jackrabbits everywhere. And it's a hundred miles from nowhere. Out in the middle of nowhere, there's this ranch with a big swimming pool that we used to watch a cougar come down and drink out of that pool every morning. Some beautiful country. I've never forgotten. It's right there by Big Bend National Park, Studio Butte, Texas. Loved that place as a kid. I think mom and dad hated it. It was desolate. I loved it. We was coming back out of there. We hit a jackrabbit and it... It, it knocked the belt, the alternator belts, off that car. Broke it. Now, we got to have battery to drive. My dad made a belt, it was when you had them pulley belts, out of pantyhose. I kid you not. Pantyhose. And put it together, and we drove out into the, uh, the next town about 70, 80 miles out. I, he's the kind of person, if I got to go somewhere... And, and it's just us and there's nobody there. I would want my dad to go with me because he is very gifted and mechanically inclined. I love going home just to see what he's building now out in his shop. It's, it's, it's awesome. I did not inherit that. Now I'm gifted when it comes to eating. And I find that I first in line at the buffet line. My body, all my aches and pains go away. I can think that even thinking about Chinese buffet and my aches and pains are gone. I'm 30 again. But to be a mechanic, it takes certain tools. 
to be a plaster. And that's something I know a little bit about. You're going to need a hawk. You're going to need a trowel. You're going to need margin trowels, brushes, corner tools, rods, and darbies. You're going to need white coat brushes, sponges, and angle planes, and scarfires. That's all the tools that you're going to need to do some plaster work with. I didn't say drywall work. I said plastering, real plastering, like what they found there in the pyramids. The Bible speaks of plastering. Then if you're a cook, <laughs> you're going to need knives and cutting board and food testers. <laughs> I threw that in there. You know this is original. <laughs> it's a food tester. You'll need a food tester. I'm a food tester. I've missed my calling in life. A food tester, professional food tester. But my point is uh, that if you're going to do a job, you're going to need specific tools to do that job. But before we can get to that, the first point I'd like to cover this morning is do not be in denial of God's call. Do you see that there in verse 1? Moses immediately begins to argue with God about God calling him to the ministry. And I, I guess why I've enjoyed putting this together is I've had every one of these arguments between me and God about pastoring. Sometimes I still have these arguments, and we'll have a little fun with them. But 1 Peter chapter 2, I told you all I'd be in 1 Peter. Uh, let me give you a verse. I got it written down here. For even hereunto we Ye are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow His steps. We've been called to follow the steps of Christ. And God said He has given to us the ministry, that means rendering aid to others, the ministry of reconciliation. As the body of Christ, as a church, and church members, we are here to serve one another. And we're to use our gifts and to practice our gifts that God has given us so that God can further use us in the ministry. But yet, when we start getting that call, and a lot of people, they won't get serious about God. They won't, they're saved. I know they're saved. They're born again. They're good people. But they won't fully commit. They won't fully get in because they're scared to death that God's going to call them into full-time ministry. They're scared of it. I've listened to people my whole life and I've seen men that had been called to preach in their 30s and now they're in their 60s and, and late 60s and they never surrendered to the call because they were afraid because they didn't think they were adequate and so they didn't do it and how God has worked on them and then spanked them and brought their lives into a living miserable hell because they would not answer the call. We've all been called to ministry to serve in some capacity. But Moses, he argues with God, and this starts in chapter 3 and verse 11, where he says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I? <clears throat> Boy, I've said that. I'm a nobody. <laughs> Who am I? He says, who am I that, uh, that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth? He said, who, who, who am I? Who am I going to, go do, to go do this job, Lord? I'm a loser. That's what he was saying. Have you used that language? I'll use that language. I'm a loser. I, I got it. It's stamped right on my forehead, a big L. That, that's, that's not lazy. It says loser. You had that argument between you and God. Loser. I'm a nobody, Lord. Argument number two we find in verse 13 of chapter 3. 
he says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers, what's, he said, What's he saying? He says, I got no message. <clears throat> I remember struggling with the call to preach. And uh, I shared that with Brother John this morning about that. We were swapping testimonies. And uh, he's got a good one, by the way. Very good testimony, Rich. And we'll get him to share that at some point for us. It'll, it'll, it'll encourage you in the Lord and, and, and what, what God can do in life. And Will has a good testimony also. Uh, it'll encourage you. And sometimes people struggle. They have struggles in life. And they wonder if they're the only ones that struggle. But here Moses is struggling. He says, I've got no message. I've got nothing to say. And one of the things I did before the Lord when I was wrestling with this thing, is I'd look at a verse of Scripture and I'd say, I don't have nothing to say. I can't get nothing. You know how some preachers, they can look at a verse and all of a sudden they break that thing down four or five different ways. They got to everything illiterate and the points just come to them. Kenny Baldwin is that kind of a man. I mean, words just flow. He's a wordsmith. And I always stand amazed at how that man can preach. I said, Lord, I don't have nothing to say. I can't get nothing. And then Moses said, <laughs> I've used this one, <laughs> chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me. <laughs> he said, what's he saying? The people are too difficult. <laughs> he said, they're too difficult. Moses more than once said, they're stiff-necked and rebellious. They do always resist the Holy Ghost. I mean, Moses said, Lord, you know I can't do this. I'm a loser. I don't have nothing good to say. And your people, they're too difficult. Sometimes I still say that. Nobody listens is what he's saying. Nobody's listening. Not about you guys. Never. Never. <laughs> have you noticed? People, people are stubborn. Y'all down here in the south are stubborn. Us northerners, we'd never be stubborn like that. Uh-oh, that's bad. That was a cheap shot. You can call that one out. Preacher, preacher, that wasn't from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't. I was just waking you up. Yeah, you're, people everywhere are difficult, trust me. We just like to blame everybody else, you know, like we're better and we're not. People are difficult anywhere you go. It's human nature. Someone tells you something because you didn't think of it first. It's like, mm, that, that's me. Jen will say something, and, and, and it makes sense, and it's right, and I'll do my best to do everything, and I'll save what she wants to do for last, and then find out I should have done that first. Do that all the time. <clears throat> what a journey. But I said, Lord, they're too difficult. <laughs> Maybe I'm too difficult. Nobody listens. Yeah. Well, when you start making sense, maybe they'll listen. <laughs> and then he says, uh, he says in, in verse 10 of chapter 4, he said, Lord, I'm not a good speaker. He said, I'm not eloquent. He was a stutterer. He was slow of tongue. And he said he was slow of speech. It means he wasn't real witty. You know, some people got great wit. They, they, can, they got good wit in the moment. You put that pressure on them, and boy, they just got good comebacks. They're, they're good orators. That wasn't Moses. Now, his brother Aaron got that gift, but God had called Moses. Moses had that argument with the Lord, and the Lord said, Look, who made your mouth? Mo what Moses was saying is, I'm inadequate. I've been there. I've said that. 
I'm inadequate. I look at some of the great preachers that we have today, and boy, this is problems when you get to naming people. Mark Monte, Paul Chapel, uh, John R. Rice, Lester Roloff, they're, they're gone, but they still got messages. Even Oliver B. Green, J. Vernon McGee, Harold Seitler. I mean, these are giants in the faith. Kenny Baldwin, these men can preach. These men can put things together. And I look at that and say, Lord, I'm inadequate. The Lord's got to say, who made you? Uh, you did. All right. Let me worry about that. But then Moses argues there, and he gets him down about verse 13 and 14, and he says, Lord, send somebody else. I'm happy keeping the sheep on the backside of the desert. And I've always had this vision I don't know if it's from God or if it's just my lack of faith that when God called me to pastor, I said, it'll be like me. I will be pastoring 40 sheep on the backside of the desert. And don't it seem that way? Now, I hope that we grow and we can do a little more growing. We've been doing growing and, and, and it's a good thing. But that's what have you ever had these arguments with God? I've had these arguments with God. Lord, send somebody else. There has to be somebody better. After all, look at Paul Chapel and what he did. He took a church that was bankrupt uh, 37 years ago, took that thing, got in there, got to preaching, got to teaching, and look what they got. Look them up online. He's a Bible believer, running over 10,000 people. Mark Monte, he's there in Avon, Indiana. And I'm not lifting men up. I'm saying these are the arguments that men like me have. Like, Lord, I'm not a man like that. He took another troubled church. They've just finished a building program. Seat about five, 600 people. Church is doing good. Those are giants in the faith. God said, yeah, but I've called you. God had to remind me we're not all mighty men. Out of a million-man army, David had 30 mighty men. But that didn't make any of those other soldiers any less important. They were needed also. I understand we're not almighty. But when God comes to you and says, you're the one, it would be normal to have this conversation with God. Say, Lord... <laughs> <laughs> I'm inadequate. They're not going to listen. These people are too difficult. Hey, I don't know what to want. I don't know what you want. I don't even have nothing to say. The Lord said, I'll be with your mouth. I'll give you messages. Don't you worry about that. And he has. And he'll continue to do so. So don't live in denial of God's call. God has called each and every one of us into some type of ministry. Maybe it's a ministry of service. Not all of us are going to be Sunday school teachers. We're not all going to be preachers. We're not all going to be missionaries. I got it. But there's something. We need help uh, logistically. We need help. Uh, we, we, there's all kinds of things to do. But then, God reminds Moses, who made your mouth? Who makes the dumb? Who makes the deaf? Who makes the blind? Ain't that comforting? No accidents with God. You're exactly the way God wants you. You are, you are the way you are for a reason. God is now. 
<clears throat> I had to have this, and this might not apply to nobody but me. But this helped me. This comforted me. Because a lot of the times, the argument I have with God <clears throat> is I'm in, a, inadequate. I'm not the brightest or what we would call the sharpest tool in, in the shed. But let me help you with that. God has already factored in your level of dumbness before he called you. I heard that from a preacher. Not preaching to me, it was on the radio. And he's preaching down through there. And he says, don't you ever forget, preachers, as dumb as you think you are and as dumb as you feel, God factored in your level of stupidity when he called you to the ministry. That's comforting. That helps. Now, it might not help you, but it sure helps this preacher. Like, really? The Lord knew? The Lord knows that sometimes I can't see the simplest solutions? So, does the Lord know that sometimes I go the long way around the barn or I want to go the hard way because I think it's a good way? And he said, yes, sir. God knows everything. He knows the thought of the heart afar off. He knows our uprisings. He knows our down sittings. Thank you, Brother Will. And he said, hey, <laughs> Yeah, I've already factored in your level of stupidness. That's what God said to me. Thank you. <clears throat> I've been struggling. Hey, fever, I guess. I don't know what it is. But that helped me. That helped me. And maybe that'll help you. That God, don't, don't, don't use your, God, I'm inadequate. I, I, I'm just not, I can't think like men. Uh, like other men have that are great organizers, that are great orators or great thinkers of the day. Man, there's some people that come up with good ideals and can think they have been given the gift of wisdom. Lord said, not many mighty are called. God uses the baser things. And God has figured in your level of stupidity, ignorance, inadequacy, when he called you and God will take what little you have five loaves and two fishes the rod a stick a stick he'll take what you have and use it for his work now let me get to the next one God has given you what you need Already, you got it. Let me, let me take a drink. I got to take a drink. Mm -hmm. Don't you hate it when somebody takes a drink and you can hear them swallowing? They're like, blah, 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 blah. like, I know, I do too. Don't like it. If you do it, it's okay if I do it. <laughs> That's gabbard. It's the way it is. We're all like that. <clears throat> God has given you what you need. Verse 2. The Lord looks right at Moses and says, What's in your hand? It's not there by accident. I was telling Jen this morning, it's how I keep one up on her. She's so much smarter than I am, and I try to get these digs in any time I can. I better hurry up and get it out. I'm going to forget it. I think I almost forgot it. We say we believe in the omniscience of God, but we don't live like it. We say that God knows all. But we don't live like it. I know I don't. 
I, I can preach on faith with the best of them. I can tell you stories about faith. I can tell you stories about my dad's faith. <laughs> I can tell you stories about our faith, about leaving everything behind and coming down here. But when it comes time for me, now, okay, we're going to have to have a little faith. I'll be the first to bow out. He said, don't you believe what you're preaching? 100%. When it applies to you. <laughs> yeah, sometimes i got to be reminded. God has given you what you need for ministry. Moses, it was a rod in his hand. God's going to use that stick that Moses had. It wasn't there by accident. David, remember David? He had a sling. A slingshot and five smooth stones. God used what he had in his hand. Remember the little lad? Five loaves and two fishes. I'm amazed at our God. We keep expecting and looking for the big things. And God is always using the little things and the base things in the inadequate things. And the thing that men say, that can't do it for God, or that ain't smart enough for God, or that's not good enough for God, and God will take it and work a work for His glory. God will use what you have for His work. If you was to look down in the verse 20, chapter 4, catch this statement. And Moses took his wife and his sons and set them upon an ass and returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God. Did you see that? The rod of God. Now, wait a minute. I thought that was Moses' rod. I thought he just picked that up by chance out there in the desert somewhere because he needed a walking stick. There ain't no by chances with God. <clears throat> that was God's rod. It was God. One of the things I struggled with was the call to preach. Is I kept thinking I was calling myself to preach. And a pastor friend said, who do you think gave you that desire? Me, myself, and I. No. If any man desire the office of a bishop, he said, that's not you trying to promote yourself. That's God giving you the desire to do that work. God puts the desire, that God puts that in your heart, and you begin to look for the greatness of God in that thing, and then you begin to listen to the Lord, and then learn about Christ. God will give you the tools you need. He's already given them to you. You already have them. They're in your hand. It's God's rod. He'd give it to you anyway. And Moses uses this rod, it turns into a snake. And then he uses it to part the Red Sea, and he used it to get the water out of the rock. Remember, there in Mara, we'll get to it. But then he misuses it when they needed water again, and he got mad at the people because they were chiding him. And he struck the rock twice when he should have never done that, should have spoke to the rock. Because it broke the type. Christ had only died once. That rock's the type of Christ. But God used that rod throughout His ministry. God has given you what you need. Now let me ask you this question in closing. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? When you got saved, God given, He gave you a gift to minister with. 
1 Peter 4.10 says, As every man hath received the gift. He's not talking about the gift of salvation. Even so minister, there it is, render aid to another, the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. God has given each and every one of us that are born again a gift to minister in. Take your Bible to Romans chapter 12. Let me share with you maybe some gift, maybe to help you out. Because one of the things that the devil does is he will do his best to make you feel inadequate. He will do his best to make you feel insignificant. He will do his best to make you think you ain't good enough and you don't have what it takes to stand up for God because you can't be a great preacher. How about just a good old-fashioned faithful church member? We need those. Those are in short supply. Let me give you some of these gifts. Verse 4, Romans 12. For as we have many members, there's that membership thing again, in one body, and all members have not the same office. That's right, we don't all have the same job. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts. He's on those gifts that you've been given, differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy. Some people are good with prophecy. Now that can be applied dual. Some people are good at preaching. Prophecy is used in the Bible as, a, as another word, a descriptor for preaching. Because sometimes there's prophecy in your preaching. When you tell people, if you keep living in the sin the way you are, I can prophesy to you that God's going to drop the hammer on you. But then he says there's a gift or ministry. There you go, verse 7. That's just rendering aids. That's just being a utility player. You have one of those people that are on a team that can just play any position. That's ministry. Let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teaches. Some people have been given the gift to teach. Or he that exhorteth. There's some people that can encourage other people on exhortation. Or he that giveth. Maybe God give you the financial means to be a great giver in the house of God. It, God uses God's people to finance his ministry, by the way. You say, I don't know what I can do, but God has blessed you financially, then maybe your gift was to be a giver to help further the kingdom of God. See, there ain't nobody insignificant. Uh, there's, there's probably a couple of more. On giving, let it be with simplicity. He that ruleth. Some people are great at, at rules and, and, and ruling and, and, and organizing things. Uh, with diligence, he that showeth mercy. Some people are great because they're very merciful. They're like the joint in between two bones. Two hard personalities, you'll have a, you'll have a peacemaker in there. That's that ministry of mercy to keep certain Christians from killing each other. There's a need for that. Even the joints and the marrow that God said in the body of Christ is important. And then with cheerfulness, let love. Some people have great charity. You've been given one of those gifts. You're already tooled for the job God wants you to do. What is in your hand? Have you discovered yourself spiritually? That's what church is about. That's what uh, the pastoring is about, is to help you discover your ministry and to discover the gift God has given you so you can serve God here, or God could call you abroad. But he probably more than likely have you serve here to get practiced up. You see, 
We need to be used in the body of Christ. And part of our job is to discover what our place is before the Lord, just like Moses is discovering what God wants him to do. It's a process. In closing, if you're human, God has a purposed life for you to live. Now, I understand about all the purpose-driven stuff and all that. I, I'm not talking about that. I, I, I'm not. God does have purpose for each and every life. You are not here by accident. As boring as your life might get sometimes, it has a purpose and a reason. It does. And so it seems like all I do is, is wipe dirty noses and to run after kids. That might be your purpose in life. You might be raising the next great evangelist. You might be raising the next uh, missionary's wife. I was telling these kids about Nate Saint. He was a missionary, I want to say, in Papua New Guinea. He was martyred for the faith, and it was his wife and the wives of those men that were martyred that went in and won that village to Christ. Mom, you might not, you might not know that that could be who you're raising next. You're not raising children by accident. God's already given you the tool for the ministry, but this. Let me ask you this. Do you want to live the life God has planned for you? You have that choice. Or will you live in rebellion against God's plan for your life? I believe there's a lot of people that do that. They never discover their ministry. They never discover what God has designed them to do some people it just be the ministry of faithfulness i could go on and on some of you have been faithful these 10 years you have stood with your pastor whether he's making good decisions or bad decisions whether he's making a fool of himself or he wasn't but you've stood because you knew it was right and i believe god will bless you for it maybe that's just your ministry to be a ministry of encouragement, to be a ministry of faithfulness. So, Pastor, I'm behind you. I'm going to go to God and pray for you. That's an important ministry, and I covet your prayers from every one of you. Because just how the devil works on you, he works on me. But it should not stop us from thinking we're inadequate to do what God has called us to do. Or that the people might not listen. It is God that has fearfully and wonderfully made us. And you remember this. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You meditate on that. None of us are qualified. None of us. God will qualify you. Because he's called you. Let's all stand this morning. You've been tooled for the job. Now you just need to discover that.